We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 341. Our guest today is actually the executive producer of the Equestrian Podcast, and she has helped me for almost two years now, really finding the angles for my interviews. She helps me find the sponsors for the podcast and potential guests for every episode. She is literally a machine, and I think her story is very similar to mine with finding my way back into the industry after a break during college. So our guest runs her own business called Avenue Equestrian, where she works with equestrian business owners to really strategize and narrow in on their business to grow it to the next level, as well as new business that are looking to just kind of figure out what the next steps are and are feeling a little stuck. She has so many skill sets with working in a corporate job in New York City and now has made her way back to the industry full time, as well as having her own horse and works with a training program where she rides and trains. So without further ado, please welcome our guest today, Kelly Gordano. Hey, Kelly. Hi, Bethany. How are you? Doing well. How are you? Good. Thank you. Good. Well, I am so excited to have you on as a guest of the podcast. You play such a big role to the Equestrian Podcast. And it's so funny, like this morning when I was getting ready to do this interview with you, I'm like, oh, let me pull up my stuff on you. And I'm like, oh, obviously, I know you. We've known each other for a while. You've worked with me for a while, but you usually are responsible for my show notes. So we are doing this and it's just so funny because I feel like it's like a full circle moment. So I'm so excited to have you on. Well, thank you so much. I love being on this end of it. I love being on the other end of it too. It's been so fun to create this podcast and connect with so many amazing guests and I'm thrilled to be here. Amazing. Well, tell me first how you first got started in the horse world. Bring us to the beginning. The beginning. So I was about six and my stepmom was in her like late thirties and she really always wanted to ride horses. And so it was something that her and I started doing together. And at one point the whole family was involved, but it is now just me. So she took us to some backyard barn in Jersey and I fell in love immediately. And so I spent most of my younger years riding in New Jersey. Um, We were doing the hunter jumpers and having a lot of fun. I'll I'll put it that way, but I got the best experience ever. We were so hands-on with the horses and they really instilled a lot of horsemanship. Um, Looking back, I think some of it was probably unsafe. I think I was like taking six horses out for night turnout at a time at like 12 years old. Yes, (laughs) exactly. But I was like, I didn't know any different. And I was like, this is amazing. I have six horses. Um, So it was really great. And I just, I cannot could not, cannot get enough of horses. I did ride in college. So I went to Penn State and I was on the IHSA team there. And that was one of the best experiences ever. I tell anybody who has the opportunity to ride IHSA to do it way less competitive than some of the top, you know, circuits and definitely less competitive than some NCAA stuff, but it makes it kind of fun. Um, Mm -hmm. We were riding all kinds of horses out in the middle of Pennsylvania, but we had a team and, you know, the sport is so individual. 
that it was the first time I was able to participate as a team. You always have your barn mates and those sorts of things, but it was just really cool. And we had so much fun. And it was the only way that I could really have access to horses during college. We had sold my horse and, you know, you're away from home. So I'm just such a fan of the organization as a whole. And I think it does a lot of really good stuff. And then I took a break to go start my corporate career. I was so excited to go live in New York City. That had been a dream of mine for a long time. So I was out of the industry for about eight years, I think. And I was having a lot of fun. So I didn't miss it too much, but I would have these really weird dreams where I had like abandoned my horse in a field and I couldn't find him. And I would wake up and I was like, hmm, I think I miss riding. Um, And so I got back into it just about three years ago. Wow. What, What was like the final thing that brought you back into riding? My husband, actually. So I had been talking to him for since I had known him for about three years at that point. The poor guy did not know that he was marrying a horse girl. And he was so sweet and bought me lessons for a riding facility very close to New York City. And I took one lesson and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it took me so long to get back. And I think within less than six months, I was riding three days a week and leasing and it was within the year that I quit my job to, to be wow. in the horse world first time, full time. Wow. When we initially met, that would have been, was that almost two years ago at the uh, equestrian workshop? Yes. I think it was January, 2022. Yeah. Um, so you came and um, attended, but you also did a little bit of guest speaking. You had like a section of our workshop, which for anyone listening who doesn't know, um, my friend Leah, who owns Dapple Bay, and I host an in-person workshop uh, once or twice a year where we get together with other equestrian entrepreneurs or, or women who are you know, looking to start a business within the equestrian industry and help with um, brand identity and marketing strategy to either get them off the ground or, or continue to grow to the next level. So um, Kelly was there and so finally got to meet her in person. And then from there, um, had you come on as my executive producer for the equestrian podcast. Um, but mm-hmm. besides for that, I know I'm one of many clients. So tell me about how you got started with Avenue Equestrian. Yes. So as I was getting back into riding, I found this great facility out in Long Island. And one of the trainers there, Brittany, who is a good friend of mine to this day, she had a strength training program for riders and she was looking for some help marketing it. And so I just kind of came up with a plan for her. It's just really natural. That's a lot of what I was doing in my corporate role. I'm big on strategy. So looking big picture to say, all right, how do all the pieces work together. And I made a plan for her to market her business and it helped her grow her fitness business. And at the same time, their lesson program boarding, you know, show program was also growing. Mm. And so I helped them grow their business as well. And, you know, they kind of really loved all the work that I was doing for them. And I was like, Hmm, I wonder if there is a crossover between all of my experience in the business world Mm -hmm. and the equestrian space. And when I started diving into it, there really was. Mm -hmm. And I found a couple of amazing clients that let me sort of test my ideas with them. And I said, what do you need help with in your business? And how can I support you? And from there, the idea for Avenue Equestrian was born. And my goal is to really just help business owners and businesses in general in the equestrian space 
feel really confident in the direction of their business and understand that they've got a great foundation that they can grow off of. And I have a lot of different skills, um, strategy being my, my biggest skill and favorite, which is bringing all of the pieces together. And I love talking with people and I love brainstorming. And I think, you know, we did a little bit of that at the workshop to really say, what are you struggling with? Like what kind of crazy ideas can we come up with and then make a plan to make it happen? And that's what I've been doing with Avenue Equestrian for the last couple of years. So cool. I love it with, I feel like there's um, like often the question that that I get at the workshop and maybe something you've experienced personally is just the idea of being in already such a niche community, but then also having big goals, like big business goals, big financial goals. How do you kind of justify or plan accordingly working within a niche where, where maybe the initial limiting beliefs come into play that, um, well, I mean, there's only, you know, several hundred people maybe who are possibly Mm -hmm. interested or possibly a good candidate for um, hiring on Avenue Equestrian. How do you kind of get your head around and and kind of pass those limiting beliefs working in such a niche market? Do you mean for myself or for my clients? Or both. <laughs> um, I guess for both, but I was uh, initially asking for Avenue Equestrian because I mean, obviously like doing this full time and, and having, you mm-hmm. know, like financial goals to, you know, you've, you've done so well with it and continue to grow it to being like a very successful full-time career for yourself. But yeah. I, I feel like, you know, I've experienced it working, you know, having all of my businesses within the mm-hmm. equestrian space. Mm-hmm. It also is niche. So I think sometimes mm-hmm. that comes into play, like, oh, is there enough people in the industry that could, you know, be an ideal client for me? So how do you kind of get through that kind of, that kind of notion? For sure. I think the first and foremost, if you're going to be an entrepreneur of any sort is just to kind of get past the fear and start, start doing things. So I just sent a bunch of cold emails out to actually to Leah and that's how we got connected. And I said, Hey, I have this idea what do you think of it? And that kind of got the momentum going. And I think that's my biggest piece of advice for anybody is just go out and take action, be humble, but also a little shameless and saying like, this is what I'm trying to do. What do you think? Is there a market for it? And you can learn that really quickly because something I do see with some of my clients is that they wait too long to ask that question to say, Hey, do I have a good idea? And is there a market for it? And they'll come up with a product and then they feel a little bit stuck because it is so niche or it is so specific. So that was one of the things. And it was scary. I think it took me like probably a month to actually send the email. And I was like, Oh my God. Um, (laughs) But there were a couple of things happening at the time that made me feel a little bit better. And this is something I coach a lot of people on is, you know, first of all, it was during COVID times, it was rough for everybody. And I think we were all kind of questioning what we were doing. My day job at the time was so taxing. It was 12 to 16 hours a day. And I was managing 12 clients at a time on big projects. We were doing e-commerce website building and I, I did the math and I was never going to be able to get done in a day what they needed me to. I was so done with it that I, I don't want to say I have no choice because I do believe we always have a choice, but I was like, I better figure this out and take the leap to start making the steps to making this a success. So that was one of the things. And also I think during COVID, a lot of people were coming up with new ideas and I was seeing so many different kinds of businesses pop up in the equestrian space that yes, it's very niche, but a lot was happening at that time. And it's been really incredible to see some of those brands continue on, to see some pivot 
to see some, you know, I haven't really fully made it through when people have gone on to do different things. But to me, it was a really exciting time. And having been outside of the industry for so long, I was kind of like a kid in a candy store. And I was like, wait, we don't have to wear these like scratchy jackets to show anymore. (laughs) And they stretch now? (laughs) Wait, what? And there's, and there's breathable holes. Like, are you kidding me? I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, so, so that was that. And then to my point about having choices is to know what your second, third and fourth plan is. And I did, when I started, I did have to take some clients outside of the equestrian industry. Mm. And I always kind of talk about, you know, doing things to keep the dream alive. I needed some people and some of the connections I had didn't live in this space. And I needed that revenue and I needed that confidence and momentum to help keep my equestrian dream going. Um, So knowing those options and then always knowing I've got a skill set that I can sort of fall back on. You don't want that to be limiting. You want that to be expansive, right? Right. Is that like, I have other things that I can go do and how can I, can I be creative about it? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I think that's a great point. In the summer months, I feel like a lot of places that we horse show also tend to have lots and lots of rain. And it's always the worst when you have, you know, a hot summer day with a bunch of rain and you also have a bunch of rain gear. And it's just like the worst feeling in the world being hot and raining and disgusting and gross. But I want to talk about whether or not equestrian, because if you have not tried their breeches, oh my gosh, I am putting you on to a life-changing material that is absolutely so revolutionary. And I feel like everyone needs a pair, if not several, whether or not equestrian breeches. First of all, they are waterproof. And I know when I say waterproof, you say, okay, Bethany, like maybe like a little sprinkle or like get some water on them and it's fine. No, they actually, their fabric passed rain test AATCC 35,000. I don't know what that means, but after looking it up, it tests, it really like measures the resistance to the penetration of water by impact. I, again, read this, read this on their website, looked it up to actually see what the heck it was. Still didn't believe it. So I have a couple pairs and I put them on, went right to the barn, into the wash rack, and I ran the hose over my leg. And I was absolutely shocked how the water literally ran off my leg. Normal, you know, like riding breeches, not to mention they fit so well. They're so stretchy. They're so flattering. There's a zipper in the back, um, you know, right below your waist um, band that literally holds your phone so you don't have to like wear anything or have worry about your phone slipping out of your pocket. It's just like so well made. And to top it off, the fabric is not only comfortable, stretchy, incredible, it's literally rain resistant, which is just, I think, so revolutionary for our sport. So you've heard enough from me blabbering on. You need to go try them for yourself because I didn't believe it until I tried them for myself. So go visit their website. It's wonequestrian.com. So whether or not equestrian.com. Again, that's wonequestrian.com. Get yourself a pair of these breeches and tell me I'm wrong. I dare you. They changed my life and I cannot wait to ride in them in Florida and in Kentucky all summer. I mean, truly, thanks to whether or not equestrian, rain does not have to freak you out anymore. So 
go check them out. You will not be sorry. We have, I feel like we have so much in common, but another thing we have in common is that we um, have our own businesses, but then we also work, you know, very literally in the industry in the form of you know, riding and teaching and, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, being a part of a show program. Um, you're mm-hmm. currently at a horse show right now. I'm I am. <laughs> in between a horse show right now about to head out. And so what, tell me a little bit about that dynamic. How do you have enough hours in the day is a question I get asked all the time. Yeah, it is hard. And, you know, one of my sort of mantras whether it's helpful or not, is sort of like ruthless prioritization and knowing what is important for the next, you know, 24 to 48 hours. And I do do a lot of planning ahead of time, but also just knowing like what is important now and what's not. And, you know, sometimes that means that I only text my family at the end of the day or certain projects need to wait for a specific time, or I need to communicate with my clients that I am away and I will get to them soon. And then it's also just sort of knowing that sometimes stress and working really, really hard is temporary. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm up sometimes at four 30 in the morning to get work done before I head out to a horse show day and I work the show day. And then I come home and I work a little bit more. That's for a short couple of weeks. Right. And so, um, you know, and then knowing that, like I said, what is most important? Okay. I do definitely need to get sleep. I'm not going to be scrolling Instagram. You know, if you look at, uh, I will be very uh, transparent right now. If you look at my social media, I haven't posted there, not because I don't want to, not because I don't think it's important, but when I look at my business, I do a lot of business word of mouth. I am really happy with my clientele right now. And I don't need to be posting on social all the time. Mm-hmm. So that's going to sit out for me for a second. Yeah. And yeah. I don't love, I don't love that, but, and I will get to a place where I can have somebody in my business to support me with that, but it doesn't keep me up at night because it's not ultimately what's driving my business forward and it's not getting in the way. So I think that's just one example of how specific you have to be. Mm-hmm. And then I also think it's so important to just be really strong in your belief of what you're doing. I miss a lot with my family. I miss a lot with my friends. I miss a lot of, you know, first birthday parties and things like that, but I really believe in what I'm doing and staying focused and motivated. And when it's things that I really love to do, it sounds so cliche, but man, I will do anything to be up with horses. (laughs) So, you know, it, it gives me some of that energy. Uh, I also love Celsius. I drink a lot of those. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Celsius. No, I wish. Right, right. I, th- I, think we, I think we do need to get them. <laughs> I know. Kelly, let's do it. <laughs> I'll get on it right after we get off this call. Okay, perfect. <laughs> no, that's so true. I think that that's such a good point. And like having people in your corner that support you. And I know that mm-hmm. we both have like really supportive husbands. And mm-hmm. my husband is always bending over backwards to get stuff done while I'm gone. And when he knows mm-hmm. I need you know, like a, an assistant almost at home and, you mm-hmm. know, you know, returning packages or like doing this, that, and the other thing, um, you know, uploading photos. And mm-hmm. so I think that that's also like so important to have someone who's kind of like, n- not like an employee, but someone, you know, like in your life, that's just in your corner and, and up to help you out however you need and really believes in what you're doing. So I think that's a big 100%. aspect too. And yeah, I think I know that the idea of like, if you love what you do, you're not, you'll never work in a day in your life is like a bit of a polarizing statement. Um, Mm -hmm. But I, I still do really think that that is important. And I think that like, of course, we work our butts off. And of course, Mm -hmm. there are seasons and, and weeks of our lives where 
our businesses are in a bit of like survival mode. Like we're mm-hmm. just like you were, we're treading water. We're like making it work that type mm-hmm. of thing. And there's times that we are growing and thriving and, and putting in all of the components to make our business grow. And mm-hmm. so I, I do think that quote is, I still think that quote is true. I think that um, it's so important to love what you do. And mm-hmm. while you might feel like there are days that are exhausting and tiring and overwhelming. I think that that's okay. Like, I think it's okay mm-hmm. to be overwhelmed and tired because I think in like, what, just like how you were saying, like it's for a season, like it's just a few weeks, like this push yeah. isn't going to last forever, but in the big picture, it's going to make everything better in the long run for, for your businesses. So I think obviously like hard work and and stress can be, good things because it's a sign of, you know, that you are doing what you love and you are working towards a goal that you're excited about. Absolutely. And I just think that there's such a fallacy around if you go out and create your own business and work for yourself or go do something that you love, that it's going to be all sunshine and rainbows. And for a minute it is right. There's a moment of freedom that after I quit my job, I was like, I'm home free. This is this is amazing. I'm unstoppable and I will never feel sad again. And the opposite is true, but Mm. it's for something that I believe in what I really struggled with working for somebody else. And this is obviously not everybody's experience, but I was working so hard without any additional incentive. They were promising me promotions and things like that, but my extra effort did not get me any extra result. And I just couldn't wrap my head around it. I was having a really hard time. And now everything that I do is towards something, something that I want to grow. Correlated. Yeah. And and it's not even just all about money, right? You know, I, I, money is great. We're all kind of motivated by money in some way, but you know, it's about building things. It's about delivering a great client experience. It's about learning about yourself too, along the way. And I think those moments where we are tired and overwhelmed, there's a couple of things. One is to look what's going on, right? How can I, is it just a season or do I need to change some things? And being uncomfortable or overwhelmed or to your maximum is where you have the opportunity to get so creative or Mm -hmm. to do something different that propels you in a totally different direction. And I know it sounds ambiguous sometimes, and maybe it's a little too woo woo, but I believe that we have to go through those things and be critical, not in a mean way, but be critical to say, okay, what's going on here? What do I need to change? Can I change it? And how can I do something a little bit different? Right. Well, yeah. And I think there's sometimes a stigma lately that like, if you are working to like really hard and like, like your show schedule where you're like up at four 30 working, then you're at the barn at the show all day. And then you're working after. And like, I think sometimes there's like a stigma that like you shouldn't be working so hard. And Mm -hmm. I just like, yeah, I think that hard work is just like, I I really look up to people who still Mm -hmm. have like a really big work ethic. And I -hmm. mean, having your own business, I mean, you can, you have the luxury to be able to like pull back and to maintain, but Mm -hmm. you also, I mean, you will, you'll only grow as hard as you work and as hard as you want to, to push forward and go for it. And so Absolutely. that's also the, the beauty of having your own, your own things is that you really do end up working more than a normal nine to five, but you're right. <laughs> yes. It goes towards something that's like directly related to what you're growing, what your vision is, your 
your freedom um yeah. and 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 time and which i think time is just like so important i think that's why mm-hmm. i continue to to strive and and grow my businesses is just being able to have the freedom of time and i think that's yeah. so much more valuable than money um yep. you know you can always find ways to to get money or to do things or if you want it badly enough you can make it happen but just having the time and the flexibility is always something that i strive for yeah absolutely Totally. If you were to look at, because obviously at Avenue Equestrian, you can do so many different things. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were to kind of narrow in on who your ideal client would be for Avenue Equestrian, who would that person be? That's such a good question because it's been morphing over the last couple ah, of years. I love that. And yeah. Because I yes. feel like before you're like, I can do anything back-end business. I like, I can build your website. I can do this and that and the other thing. And it's, yeah, you're right. It has changed a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what I realized is that that's, that's really hard to do. And it's hard to position yourself when you say I can kind of be everything to everybody. Yes. And it's something I coach my clients on. And I'm, I'm sure that you know this as well. And so what I've been pivoting and sort of getting closer to over the years is the skills that I have. The, the things that I like to do and the people that I like to work with and what's the perfect sort of cross-section of that. And I have updated my business services and I'll have another moment of humility here. You can't find them on my website because I totally blew up my website. Oopsies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, this will be so easy. I'll just go ahead and fix a couple of things, change the colors and some font. Uh, guys, it's not that easy. So um, <laughs> website building has come off the list of skills yeah. and that is again, though, another example of like prioritization. I know it's got to get done. I know having a website is really important, but at the end of the day, it's not going to kill me if it's not done right now, just knowing everything else I have going on. But back to your question, I've sort of updated my, my, my services a little bit. And so I'm working with some of my ideal clients are larger scale businesses where I'm able to really step into a strategy role and strategy. Strategy is very helpful for businesses that are just getting started, but it's also really valuable for bigger businesses that have a lot of people that work for them, where sometimes those people aren't communicating together. And so to have somebody come in and again, look at all of the different pieces. So right now I have a client and they needed some support with marketing and really just taking a look across all of their players and having someone to come up with a plan. And I'm really enjoying that. And I'm actually finding a lot of success with that. And so bigger companies that are able to pull somebody in to really be thoughtful about strategy systems Mm -hmm. and processes, I can consult and really advise on some of that. And then I love also working with businesses that are just getting started, but in a slightly different way than I was before. So I think before it was, I was like, let me take over your business and I'll, I'll get everything done for you. And that can be really challenging for a lot of reasons that, you know, I, I won't go into here, but what I'm really loving with those businesses now is the brainstorming piece of it and getting really creative around how can we solve your problems? And I think sometimes, and you know, this as, as an entrepreneur and even just as a human being, sometimes we can just feel so stuck and we can't see a way out of it. And what I love to do is to come in and say, Hey, this might be a crazy idea, but what if we did this and it will unlock. And sometimes my idea is not the end result, right? But it unlocks something that gets them thinking creatively. And I just have so much fun with those conversations. And I find that they're at a better price point where it's less of an investment where I need to make back all of the money for my clients or that this is everything that they have for some of those 
clients that are getting started, I'd almost rather see them invested in something like paid ads or social, social media manager. And I'm more than happy to tell people the best experts in the industry. And then I can come in as a strategist a little later on when they need help expanding or bringing a bigger vision to their, to their business. So, um, you know, it's, it's still kind of evolving, but I've got a handful of really big clients and then a mix of just starting out and growing clients. Definitely. Yeah. And I love, I mean, I think what you do for me is like such a cool example because it's, uh, you know, it's like mm. very specific with being a podcast, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. you help me with like big picture strategy um, with growth mm-hmm. of the podcast, but then you also help me find sponsors for the podcast and guests and specific angles for the interviews. So I feel like kind of that big picture strategy you're so mm-hmm. good at. And I love that you've kind of narrowed in on that too, because there's so, I talked to so many brands and businesses through, you know, my equestrian style and through the workshop where a lot of them are like, I know, like, I want to take it to the next level, but I'm just not Mm -hmm. quite sure how to, how to grow and how, like what my next steps are. So I feel like you're so good at that kind of area for people in their business, as well as for people who are like, I have this idea. I know what I want to do. I just Mm -hmm. launched, but like, now what? And yeah. so I think, I think the, the, those two areas are, are so perfect. So I'm glad you're really focusing on those. Yeah, um, yeah. The other thing I know you, I know, you know, this is coming because you <laughs> helped me with ha- now hundreds of podcast episodes, but it's the question I ask every guest. And that is what is an area of the industry that you're passionate about that you feel like the rest of the horse world either just doesn't know a lot about, or doesn't talk that much about. Yes, this is the one I was practicing all morning. <laughs> Love it. Uh, I have three. I can't keep it to one. I got to be honest. Okay. I've got three. Okay. I'll keep it. I'll keep it tight. <laughs> so I think the first one is thoroughbreds, and I know that we've had a few guests on to talk about it. I would consider myself a warm blood girly. I love them a lot, but because of where I was at and financially, I could really only afford a thoroughbred. Sure. And. I have had the best experience in the world with it. I got a really good one, you know, not being biased for anything, but my Crosby street has been so much fun to bring along and he's so smart. And we just had a great week in the baby greens and it was just our second time jumping two six. And so I'm just continuously impressed by how smart he is and how willing, listen, it's been a test all along the way, but I think they get overlooked a lot. And I, have just had such a great time with him and I have a really nice horse right now. And I think we only ever think about thoroughbreds as restarting them. Mm-hmm. He was definitely a restart, but I've got a really cool horse now that's going to do the two, six, three foot job and still be affordable. And I think that is just something that's really important for us to, to take into consideration because one of the other things I'm really passionate about is, is just thinking about how can we make the sport more affordable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to your point about hard work, part of me working so hard is to be able to afford it. You know, I'm, I have my business, I have the work that I'm doing at the horse show, I'm working off expenses and I'm still putting out so much money each week just to be here. And I think that we're excluding people from that opportunity to participate. And I don't have a solution yet, but one of the goals that I that lives with an Avenue Equestrian and I want to make it happen as soon as possible is to be able to sponsor classes or to mm-hmm. be able to sponsor a scholarship for people to be able to go out and compete. Um, you know, and I, I really am working towards that. I think that's definitely going to be a 2024 goal is to get some of my 
revenue into the hands of people so that they can go out and experience this and to be able to do it at a high level and not have to worry about how, if they can afford it or, or how they're going to afford it and to be able to, to enjoy it. And so I think that's something I know that that conversation is happening in a lot of places and it's yeah. going to, it's going to take a lot to change it, right? This is a big machine where there is a lot of money already living within it. And, um, you know, but any little way that I think I can do that. So if there's anybody out there who feels passionately about it as well, I'd love to connect and brainstorm about how we can help people, you know, just a little bit, right. Mm -hmm. We're not going to be able to cover all the expenses, but just a little bit goes a long way. So I think continuing to have conversations about it and to be transparent, right. Just so that we can know what the expenses are and to be able to plan for it. Having these financial conversations, I think will be helpful in bringing some change into the industry. And then the last thing I'm really passionate about is careers in the equestrian space. When I was growing up, I thought the only jobs were to be a writer or trainer. Totally. And I didn't have the experience in the background to be able to go be a professional when I turned, you know, 18. And that was one of the reasons that I took, you know, almost a decade long break is because I didn't see a career in the horse world and not a career where you could make money. And that's just simply not true. I think things are definitely different than they were, you know, when, when we were growing up, but there's so much cool stuff. And that is something that I just really love exploring and not everybody needs to go create their own business. That's not the key to having a career in horses. It can be, but I think Mm -hmm. that there's also some really cool jobs. And so to be able to help uncover that a little bit more, that's another long-term goal for Avenue question is to say like, let's build a career here. We want you to stay. We want, and we want you to make the money that you can afford to participate in the industry as well. So those are some things that I, I spend a lot of time thinking about. Totally. I love that. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for taking the time literally mid horse show day. <laughs> I appreciate it. And I appreciate all you do for me with the equestrian podcast. I literally could not do it without you, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on and I wish you all the best. Oh, thank you so much. And we will talk soon. It was so great to be on. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.